This is Diva Cerebration, and uh, I just wanted to come and talk about another subject matter that has come up in my life that I've thought about here, and it's basically about the inequalities of men and women, and that also goes into the inequalities of um, ethnicities in our human history, and, you know, it's not understandable nowadays why it's still here, yet it's understandable from past human errors and the way human beings are. And basically, it's all about competition. And I was watching um, a special on PBS. I think it's called Hacking Your Mind. And a couple things came up on that show. The first thing that came up was that when they were doing power energy surveys throughout the country and they're trying to encourage people to, you know, sort of economize their power, use less power, you know, don't, don't leave lights on in rooms, don't use things that you don't need. Um, when they were trying to encourage people to do those things, to cut back on power, to save energy so that we can also um, save on our carbon footprint and or choose to go solar or to go wind power or when they when they were trying to figure out how they could get people to do those things, make more positive choices in their energy lives, uh, they did a little experiment. Well, I don't know if it was an experiment, but more or less they they tried different things to see if what what would work to get people to encourage them to change their carbon footprints or their power usage. And they tried things like uh, you know, it'll save you money. It will, you know, it will cut down on um you know, they they did a whole list of things. I think they did three or four different things and you know, one of them is it'll save you money. It'll save, it'll, you'll encourage other people, uh, to do the same, blah, blah, blah. And even, even just, it'll encourage other people in your neighborhood to the same, uh, didn't get to people. But when they started showing, which I've gotten these, I've gotten these in the mail from my power company. When they started the competition mode for everyone, when they did a scale of who was the using the most, like your, your, your neighbors nearby you in your neighborhood, uh, I would say uh, within your block, within your street, within a four or five block radius, whatever they've chosen in each city, uh, within this area and they'll show your area and, uh, they'll say you are, you know, in the 75th percentile, uh, of, you know, you're low, you're not, you're, the rest of your neighbors are doing way better than you in saving power. The rest of your neighbors are using way less gas, way less electricity, way less uh, solar energy, whatever. They're using less than you. And you're down here in the 75, you're like 75 from one to maybe 200 or you're, uh, you're, you're number 199 and you use more power than anybody. And so when they started doing it on that competition sliding scale and, and then they, they actually interviewed a woman who was in the top 
I don't know, 25 people that were using less power. She was like number one or two, her household was. And uh, they asked her if that made her feel good that she did that. And she said, yes. And they asked her, do you hope that when people see that it encourages them to do better? And she said, yes. But what they really found out was that's not really what people feel. They, they, they asked her even further questions. And uh, they said, if you went down from being the top one or two person persons in the neighborhood, who were using the least amount of power were doing the best. Would that bother you? And she said, Oh yeah, it would bother her that she dropped in the levels and that somebody else was beating her and she would have, she would want to get back up into that one or two spot again. So even if, if, if people are given other good reasons to change their power usage, the one thing that they found that makes people change their power usage is competition. I want to be the best at that. I want to be the person that's using the least amount of power and my energy is efficient, energy use is efficient, blah, blah, blah. So they found that that is what kept people, that keeps people from doing it. And I, like I said, I've gotten a thing in the mail and I don't use a lot of power. And I make a point of it. I always have for years and years and years made a point of not using a lot of power if it's not needed. Now, I do have a lot of lights outside because I feel that's a safety thing. I have them on my garage. Um, I have them on my house. And I, I have lights all around my house. And I have lights that shine up onto, you know, I have different sections of my house that are, it's an older house. So, you know, it's not like just your plain old box kind of house. So there's different sections of my house that need to be lighted because it gets really dark in those areas because I'm also trying to keep animals off of my house because we have a lot of trees here. So I want it to be really bright and, you know, I don't want it to be welcoming to, you know, squirrels, bats, raccoons, or anything. I want it to be unwelcoming. I want my house to be an unwelcoming place. So there's a lot of lights that I use in those areas as well. But uh, mostly so that if I hear a noise outside, my yard is well lit all around my house. I can look out the window and see what's going on. I know and I can see. And a lot of people say that's light pollution, but... I feel safer knowing that, and my lights are like going, they're, they're down. They don't usually shoot straight up into the air. They shoot down, but, um, anywhere I put them, it'll, I'll usually put them. If, if I have a light that's going to go down onto my house, I put it up on the attic level, etc. So, um, and where I can get to it. So what they found is that competition is what motivates people to do what they need to do. And, uh, that, that's, that's their motivation. And so I also have jumped onto some other things that have gone into, um, uh, racism and sexism. And basically I think that's where racism and sexism come from in our society. Instead of us wanting to do good to everyone, instead of us wanting to do um, uh, uh, you know, to share in our authority, to share in our goods, to share in our wealth, everybody is in competition. And so you have to think of a way to compete with other human beings. And what 
better way do people have than to find something about a certain section of people to make them feel like they're less than so that they can compete with them. I mean, we've seen that in like, if you watch big brother or other, uh, other shows, that's what people do. They sort of, you know, they sort of are cruel and mean to each other to compete with one another because they have to mentally make you think that you're not as good as them so they can win. And, and because a lot of people know their own weaknesses and they know, um, their own downfalls and in order for them to be better than or win, they're going to try and bring the competition down. So, you know, uh, in the power thing, yeah, people are trying to compete to do better power. Uh, when, you know, when you're doing the, uh, uh, power for the houses and that's something that, you know, is an individual thing that you can do on your own. But when you're in real competition, people tend to, pick on or go after people or try, you know, I mean, that's competition, right? So I think over time in the history of human beings, that's what's happened is um, a more powerful group who just happens to become more powerful, which as we've seen in history have been, you know, if a man, if men become more powerful, they then choose things about race or sex, women or race to make those people less than, so they become the hierarchy. And they actually have uh, done research for when, when uh, not patriarchal society, but a matriarchal society. And matriarchal societies, that doesn't happen. There is competition, but there's more of a unity. There's more of a um, community than there is when there are uh, men in power. So women in power, there's more unity, more community, um, may, you know, more nurturing, uh, and there's more equality in those societies. They don't try to lord over, uh, men in those societies. And there's been a, a few matriarchal societies over time and in history that they've studied that have shown that. And there are current ones in different countries, uh, with different tribes or different uh, types of, uh, leadership where they see the same thing happening. So it is inherent to men. So if there's a patriarchal society, um, and they, they want to flex their muscles that they're men and they're stronger and, uh, they will doubt, they will push down people rather than bring them up where it's in a matriarchal society, they will bring people up. So I was looking at some articles online, uh, particularly trying to pick out why we as a country um, end up this way, have ended up in the, the, the way that we are and why it's so hard for us to get out of it. And it's because misogyny is taught, you know, male, male men are taught in our society that, and in other societies in other countries uh, that they are dominant over all of us. So I think that, you know, over time, that's just become ingrained in our American society and people just accepted it and moved on and nothing was done to change it. And now when change is being pushed in the, in the past few years, um, I'll go back to 1967. I saw an article pop up on my um, newsfeed. Um uh, 
in Boston. Um, yeah, let me look at it. It's in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, the first woman to run in a marathon, in the Boston Marathon. Uh, she was fought when she got onto the, um, uh, when she started to run, I think she ran with her husband. Uh, but when she started to run, there were men that came after her that physically tried to assault her and make her get off of the marathon and said that she shouldn't be there, that this was not meant for her, that the Boston marathon was only for men. And women weren't allowed to run it. You know, this was in 1967, which when you really think about it, wasn't that long ago. And, uh, you know, her husband had to fight his men off. And there were other men who stepped up also and fought off the men that were trying to get to her so that she could run. She kept going. But that that there's just an example of the entrenched misogyny and patri in our patriarchal American society that it was just, a, it's a marathon. Nobody's making any money. It's a Boston marathon. And she just wanted to run the marathon. And there was such a violent, angry reaction to that by men who some weren't even running in the race. Some came off the sidelines to go after her, that they would physically harm her as a woman which, you know, back in 1967, wasn't sure were still intact. Weren't women supposed to be treated with respect and you don't hit women. And of course, we've now found out that, you know, domestic violence and hitting women and abusing women has been normal in our society, but it was just not brought out into the public. So uh, here she tried to do that and uh, she, you know, was ostracized and even physically abused and so it's, it's a great point to bring up that these are the kind of things that are have been happening in our society for years and years and years and uh, back at that time uh is when women's live was you know becoming very strong so that might have been the the very you know the the angry reaction to the fact that women's lib was starting uh, the ERA was being passed, um, Roe versus, versus Wade, you know, abortion was, you know, becoming more prominent and uh, birth control and women's choice. And, you know, women f were finally really getting out there and saying we deserve to be equal to men. We're human beings. There's <laughs> Why aren't we equal? Why aren't we getting equal pay? Why don't we get equal opportunities at jobs and college and schooling, etc.? And there was a very violent reaction. I mean, I've watched even um, news reports of reporters who were talking uh, on the news saying, uh, do you want, is this what you want? Do you want your woman to not be home cooking for you? Do you want her to have equal rights? Do you want her to be, I mean, it was awful to watch some of these reporters who later in, you know, we've actually seen these reporters on the news who have retired. Uh, that we've watched on our news stations and some of them are still working at the news station. So uh, that was their reaction to women wanting equality as well. And they were getting on saying those horrible things on the news. So uh, this, this attitude has been rampant in our society. And one of the equal rights 
women who was at the forefront with Gloria Steinem was Florence Ray Kennedy. She was an African-American woman's rights lawyer. And if you watched the movie recently that just came out on Amazon, The Glorias, you'll see her character prominently um, in there because Gloria Steinem wrote about her in her book. And she also had a play on um, in New York City that was also on PBS called Gloria, uh, where, um, you know, we see Florence and we see uh, an American Indian. I think her uh, last name is Man manhunter or man killer man killer um and uh different ethnicities that were prominent in the women's rights movement but florence kennedy ray kennedy was one of those and one of the statements that she made is racism and sexism are intertwined and they cannot be uprooted separately and i've often thought that over time I've often thought, you know, how can we see this any differently? We're both discriminated against, uh, uh, whether we're women or we're of color. We've been discriminated against equally. And I guess one of the things that kind of shot me out here to do this podcast today is I've seen a few things that have been in the news recently and also have come to my attention recently. Uh, one of the things was gender money, the gender money wage gap. So basically female, male wage gap got for the same job still today can be 10,000 to $15,000 difference per year for the same job still today where the ERA has not totally taken over, had been approved in all states and let me remind you that most of those states are south in the southern areas where also racism is still a huge problem so in the south where there were plantations and uh where the kkk is the biggest and where there's more prejudice there's not just prejudice against people of color there's prejudice against women so the ERA has not passed in those states, southern states, uh, but they, they have passed pretty much uh, in most of the states across the country. Uh, many states didn't pass it right away. Some of them were later in the 70s, but pretty much the ERA has been passed in many states for over 30 years. And they're still, they still haven't passed it in southern states. And we're talking southeastern states mostly. There are some southwestern states that haven't past it but um nor uh so that just shows you that where there is racism there is sexism prejudice is in the minds of most people and that's also where there's a lot of misogyny a lot of misogynistic thinking a lot of white male privilege thinking in those areas those are the areas that are not changing with the times so yeah so there's that pay gap you know, 10 to 15,000 per year pay gap for women in the same jobs. Some are even more than that. There is a larger pay gap. And also uh, it was brought out that the investment gap is really huge because of discrimination. 98% of men can 
have investments, can get into investing, or they're in jobs for investing, or they're, they've benefited from investing in the stock market, investing in um, uh, Wall Street, et cetera, et cetera. 98% of them have, have benefited from that. Only 2% of women have benefited from the investment um, uh, uh, gap. And, you know, we have to recognize these, these societal imbalances, uh, especially in the money market. You know, uh, if uh, most of, most of the people who are leading, uh, investments, Wall Streets, big companies are men. And the reason for that is women are not given the opportunity Again, 98% of men are given that opportunity. Only 2% of women are given that opportunity. So if women can't uh, participate in investing, they're not given enough money to invest. You know, they're only given enough money to survive and get by. And then they're not, and then they're not given the chance to be in investment areas like Wall Street, uh, company, uh, uh, being company leaders, executives, et cetera then they're not going to be able to get into breaking that disparity, that discrimination. And who's holding them down? White males. White males are the ones who are holding everyone down. And so when you think of white male privilege, you have to know that that's the reason that people are saying white male privilege, because you have that white male privilege. If you were white and male, you get chosen for things, you get given things, you get all the opportunities that everybody else doesn't get. And it is just true. I personally have seen that in my own life. You know, it's just true. Um, I'm, I'm trying to find my other information here. Oh, yeah. And I just, I watched a disparity of something that was in a report today. During the pandemic, uh, this, there's, um, this is what I wrote. This is why women, more women need to be leaders and owners of business. Sexism, discrimination is alive and well, uh, men oppressing women still. Once again, male bosses find a way to make excuses to fire women over men. Even when simple, uh, single men have children, single fathers, they are accepted for their children in the background on phone calls. Cause in the pandemic, a lot of us are working from home or doing our things from home. So, um, it's accepted when a guy has his children in the background, he doesn't get in trouble for that. But when a woman has her children in the background, she gets fired. And we have already seen many stories of women coming forward saying they're getting fired because they're working from home and the, their child just happens to be making some, often the distance, you know, making noise in the background. And, you know, we're working from home now. That should be an acceptable thing. But if a man has the same issue where his wife is out working outside the house and he's keeping the kids home because, you know, they can't afford daycare or they're afraid to put their kids in daycare, that's accepted. If a man's uh, kids are making noise in the background, the guy just, oh, it's the boys club kind of thing. Oh, yeah, I understand. You got your kids at home. But if a woman does it, this woman was on talking about how he, uh, uh, her boss was saying, well, you know, do something about it. Take care of it. You know, if you don't, then I'll have to let you go. 
And basically a bunch of women were let go throughout the country because of the same reason, but a bunch of men were not. And some of those men have come forward and said, I haven't been let go for that reason. There's definitely discrimination here. So at least men are stepping forward nowadays and saying, you know what? It is, it is a disparity. It is discrimination. So you've got that boys club thing. So again, they accept their children in background calls, but then they fire the women for the same thing. And if you don't see an obvious discrimination, even today, even with changing male roles, uh, I, you know, you kind of, kind of, kind of be blind or purposely in denial. And you know, the boys club is fully intact. And I know, I know about that. I've seen it in the workplace over and over in my life. You know, I've seen it in the courtroom during my divorce and the negotiations for my business. Uh, A man doesn't have to prove anything because being male brings assumptions. A woman has to prove everything. It's highly imbalanced. You know, like when I was in uh, the courtroom trying to vie for the rights of my company, just 50 percent, you know, because I had 50 percent ownership of my company. Um even in the courtroom, I kept hearing, but it's his, his business, his business, his business. We had paperwork. We had legal documents that showed that it was 50% my company. And to be honest with you, I did most of the work in that company. Um, when I went out and when we got loans and things for the company, when we first began, the people took me aside and said, if you don't put your name on the line, we're not giving you guys the loan. We won't give it to him. We'll give it to you because I had a much better credit rating. I had a college degree. Um, I always paid all my debts off. And at that point, my husband did not have a very good credit rating. And, you know, we've talked about how my husband was in addictions. I didn't know about those before. And I didn't know until later in our marriage that he had had those addictions because nobody told me. He didn't even tell me. Because everybody thought, oh, they're happy. Let's just let it go. No, you should tell people. Anyway, and then I was the one who was running the business. I was one going out and getting, I was doing the sales. I was getting the work coming in. I was doing the deliveries. I was dealing with all the customers. I was running the office. I did 10 times more than my husband did. When I end up, ended up leaving the business, they had to hire six people to replace me, plus an accountant firm and the lawyer that he was using had to step in and also help. So who knows how many people, three or four they had there to do what I was doing at the company. I was powerhouse at that company. Yet when I was in the courtroom, his company, his company, that's what kept me said. I had a male judge. I had, um, he had a male lawyer. You know, we had a, a bunch of males in the courtroom and I ended up losing my business because I fought for three years and couldn't get it to turn over. And I just said, forget it. This is emotionally draining. Let him have it. Of course, I thought I would be going on to make more money and do bigger things. But the last thing I wanted to point out is I saw a report today. Also, it was in the uh, hacking of the mind where they talked about orchestras. Orchestras used to have always had uh, primarily male conductors and male conductors made the choice for all of the people who played in the orchestra. Well, primarily, they would choose men to play in the orchestra, even if a woman was 10 times better as an instrumentalist in whatever instrument she was playing. 
um, they would choose a mediocre playing man over a very talented high playing woman because he was a man because of their misogynist teachings in society in their home and whatever just what they would choose a man particularly a white man particularly if they were uh, because most were white male conductors a white man over a woman or over even another ethnicity so orchestras saw this problem throughout the world and i guess a few or one tried it and then they just one orchestra tried this and then it kind of spread throughout all the orchestras they decided to put up one orchestra decided to put up a curtain so that when the people came in for auditions the conductor couldn't see whether they were male or female that was the main goal they were going for but also they couldn't see their ethnicity and guess what happened over time, other orchestras, all orchestras across the world started doing this. Blind auditions where you could not see them. That's where the voice and everything got their idea. These orchestras. They did these auditions blindly and 50% were chosen women because women were better players. 50% women were better that players in all those instruments than men were. So once the curtain was up, more women got chosen, 50-some percent more play in orchestras now. In fact, they're the most diverse in not just in uh, male-female roles. They have more women, but they also now have more ethnicities because of those blind auditions behind a curtain where the conductor couldn't see if it was a woman or a man or what color or ethnicity they were. So orchestras throughout the world are the most diverse workplaces in the world to this day. Okay, this is this is episode one. I'm going running out of time here. We'll go on to episode two. But this is what I'm trying to talk about is the disparities between ethnicity, race, and how sexism and racism are very close together. See you in the next uh, episode two podcast. <laughs>